We live in a time of information explosion. Did you know that over 306.4 billion emails are sent each day? That's more than 36 times the population of the whole world. Each day, over 6,000 books are published, and this year, the number of texts sent worldwide will be 18.7 billion. That's each day. And that's over 8 trillion texts that will be sent worldwide this year. Are any of you familiar with Buckminster Fuller? He wrote a book called Critical Path. He was an American architect, systems theorist, author, designer, inventor, and futurist. He created the knowledge doubling curve. He noticed that until the 1900s, human knowledge doubled approximately every century. By the end of World War II, knowledge was doubling every 25 years. Some years later, a report published by IBM antidotedly added to Fuller's theory, and they predicted by 2020 that knowledge would double every 12 hours. It's no wonder we can't keep up. We are being swamped by a tidal wave of information that pours in 24-7, 365. The whole world is now live and in real time. Stories change every few minutes, and the screen you're watching may have numerous ads, images and other stories that you are interested in on that screen. You might be ultimately following up to five different information sources at the same time on the same screen. Others might use multiple devices they're scrolling through at the same time. No wonder we are easily distracted. We look without hearing and speak without understanding. We are wired up, tuned in, and a hyper-caffeinated generation. I wanted to share with you a few paragraphs from The Paradox of Our Time, written by Dr. Bob Moorhead, who's a retired pastor from the mid-90s. The paradox of our time in history is that we have taller buildings, but shorter tempers, wider freeways, but narrower viewpoints. We spend more, but have less. We buy more, but we enjoy it less. We have bigger houses and smaller families, more conveniences, but less time. We have more degrees, but less sense, more knowledge, but less judgment, more experts, but more problems, more medicine, but less wellness. We have multiple, we have multiplied our possessions, but reduced our values. We talk too much, love too seldom, and hate too often. We've learned to make a living, but not a life. We've added years to life, but not life to years. We've been all the way to the moon and back, but we have trouble crossing the street to meet our new neighbour. We've conquered outer space, but not inner space. We've done larger things, but not better things. Every part of this seems very true, but the part that stood out that I'd especially was drawn to was we've conquered outer space, but not inner space. We've been able to send people to the moon and into orbit. We've learnt a lot about our galaxy and other galaxies trillions of miles away from the Hubble telescope that we launched in the 90s. But inner space, 
is another matter. The real battle is inside, not outside. This is why the book of all the epistle of James is incredibly helpful and is as relevant today as it was when it was written over 2,000 years ago. James wants us to discover the freedom that comes when we respond in the right way to the pressures of life. In the first part of our reading this morning in James 1 verses 19 to 20, James specifically answers the question, how do you respond properly when the heat is on? The pressure is building and you're about to lose it. Pay close attention to his answer. Take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to become angry because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. These verses appear very simple, but putting them into practice is a daily challenge. So how do we listen more and be good listeners? In James 1-2, he says, Whenever you face trials of many kinds, this shows us that James is mindful of how many of his readers are facing trials of many kinds. And this is particularly important advice for those who are suffering. In times of hardship, we can be much slower to listen and quicker to speak. We can become consumed with what we are going through, that it is all we can think about and speak about. We listen less to what others are saying. It is then really important that we pay close attention to what God has to say in his word. In the first century, readers didn't have all the advantages that we have. They didn't have printed copies of the New Testament. They didn't have Bibles on smartphone apps so they could read it whenever and wherever they went. For the most part, hearing the word meant meeting with others or other believers and listening to the word, being taught. It meant hearing, memorising and meditating on what they had heard. Modern technology has made it easier to hear the word, but are we really hearing the word at all? Hands up all of those with smartphones, whether it be Apple or Android. I'm pretty sure every hand would go up with that one. Like me, I'm sure you have tons of apps, all of them brimming with information that flows 24 hours a day. We have enough online simulation to keep us occupied around the clock. Years ago, maybe a decade, maybe a bit longer, when you got on public transport or aeroplanes, you might have actually chatted to the person next to you. That rarely happens these days on public transport. People have their heads down, looking at their smartphone, headphones in or on, depending on what style you prefer. I wonder who is better off, the first century believers who had almost no copies of the word or 21st believers like us who have the Bible at our fingertips? I'm pretty sure no one would trade our technology for life 2,000 years ago. Technology, by definition, is the application of scientific knowledge for practical purposes, especially in industry. We need to be mindful that using our technology for only practical purposes, but as Christians, this could be dangerous. If we're too busy and too distracted, that we are not quick to hear what God is saying to us. Sometimes when we are going through hardships, as I mentioned briefly before, we can be consumed with our own troubles, 
that we only think and talk about that. We listen less to what others are saying and our own experience with what's going on drowns out everything else. We can fall into the trap of never hearing what anyone else has to say. Proverbs 8, wisdom's call, is a reminder that no one gains wisdom by chance. Wisdom is personified as a woman speaking to the reader. This is what verses 6 to 17 say. Listen, for I have trustworthy things to say. I open my lips to speak what is right. My mouth speaks what is true, for my lips detest wickedness. All the words of my mouth are just. None of them is crooked or perverse. To the discerning, all of them are right. They are upright to those who have found knowledge. Choose my instruction instead of silver. Knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is more precious than rubies. And nothing you can desire can compare to her. I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behaviour and perverse speech. Counsel and surround judgment are mine. I have insight. I have power. By me, kings reign and rulers issue decrees that are just. By me, princes govern and nobles, all who rule the earth. I love those who love me, and those who seek me find me. Verse 32, blessed are those who keep my ways. And verse 34, blessed are those who listen to me. Listen to verse 17 again. I love those who love me, and those who seek me find me. Are we too busy, too worried, too preoccupied, too distracted to seek the wisdom God offers in his word? A good visual that could be helpful here is from John chapter 20, verse 4. Peter and the other disciple. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. We ought to be outrunning ourselves to find out what God has to say to us. My personal habit in the morning is to do my morning prayer or my morning offices, sometimes before or during breakfast. I do this before I check the news, before I check Messenger, Facebook, or watch or read anything else. All of us would be better off, instead of checking emails, Messenger, Facebook, Instagram, or TikTok, first thing, that we went running to the Word of God. Here's a challenge to think about. Being quick to hear doesn't happen by accident. We have to plan to hear the Word. We're quick to do many things that don't matter. Are we quick to listen to the word of God? Are you running to the word of God? Be slow to speak. James wrote in verse 19, there is a time to speak and a time to listen. Most of us are better at the former and not so much the latter. Proverbs 17, 28, even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer turns to wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And Proverbs 15.4, the soothing tongue is a tree of life, 
but a perverse tongue crushes the spirit. This can be particularly tricky in this day and age as social media encourages quick feedback. Someone says something we don't like, so without thinking it through, we post a snappy reply, a snarky comment, a clever comeback, or a mean-spirited innuendo. Sometimes we are so eager to post comments that we hit send and then start chuckling over our cleverness. Here's a simple piece of advice when we are tempted to do that. Slow down. Wait. Think about it. You can delete the foolish comment, but you can't erase it from the internet. Once it's posted, it's in cyberspace forever. When James says, be slow to speak, he is thinking about our tendency to speak when we are angry and frustrated. I'm sure you've heard it said, speak when you are angry and you'll make the best speech you'll ever regret. How true it is. I know at school and on a number of occasions I've said it at assembly and chapel, the old saying that all of us have heard, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Words do hurt far more than sticks and stones, and the wounds they leave are far longer to heal. Unkind words don't break bones, they break hearts. Be slow to anger. James is not saying don't be angry. That's unrealistic. Even the gospel writers do not hide the fact that Jesus was angry on occasion. When Jesus cleared the temple, it was because it was more like a shopping mall than a house of prayer. On such occasions, Jesus was right to be angry. We know that such anger was justified. And we know that that anger was slow in coming. Too often, our anger is neither of those things. We're all going to get angry at some time. The way James is referring to anger is the deep-seated rage. It doesn't refer to the passing moment of displeasure, which is soon gone and forgotten. No, James is speaking of the deep emotion, which when released is like a volcano erupting. It spews red-hot lava over everything. Anger is under our control. Sometimes we talk of blowing up as if it happened against our will. But that's a bit of a cop-out. Anger is an emotion we control. Here's the proof. If you've ever had an argument with a spouse or a friend, and when the phone rings in the middle of it, in the middle of that argument, you are raising your voice and getting red in the face, and then, hello, how are you? I'm so glad you called. Goodbye. And then you hang up the phone and you get at it again. That's because anger is an emotion you can control. <laughs> but notice the progression. If we are quick to hear, we will be slow to speak. But if we are slow to hear, we will doubtlessly be quick to speak. Quick speaking leads to quick anger. The angrier we get, the faster we speak and the less we hear. We are reminded of Solomon's wise counsel in Proverbs 16.32. Better a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control than one who takes a city. Solomon says it's better to control your temper than it is to take a city. James probably knew we would have an issue with this command, so he added a reason in verse 20. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. 
selfish anger, such as when we don't win an argument or when our opinions aren't being heard or when we feel offended or neglected or if someone always is angry and nothing ever pleases them. Anger can lead to jealousy, harsh words, and can even lead to murder. This never helps anybody. This sort of anger can never produce the life pleasing to God. That sort of anger only destroys. It never builds up. In order to move away from the bitterness, the anger and the hurtful words, we need to take Ephesians 4.32 to heart. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. We are to extend grace to others as God has extended grace to us. We have been forgiven. Now we do the same for others. Jesus didn't come to make us nicer people. He came to make us new people. We need the Lord Jesus living in us. We need Jesus to help us when we are tempted. Frederick Meyer, a Baptist pastor, evangelist and author from England, said that when he felt himself getting angry or irritable, he asked the Lord for the quality most needed at that moment. Your patience, Lord Jesus. Your kindness, Lord Jesus. Your love, Lord Jesus. Your courage, your joy, your compassion, Lord Jesus. Your wisdom, Lord Jesus. If we believe that in Jesus Christ dwells all the fullness of God and if we believe Christ dwells in our hearts by faith, then we may believe in our lives the fullness of Christ, the grace of Christ, the mercy of Christ, the kindness of Christ may fill us and drive out the evil and the angry intolerance that holds us back. When we are living in Christ and Christ is living in us, then by God's grace, we will be quick to hear, slow to speak and slow to anger. Let us pray. Come, Lord Jesus, transform us by the power of your word so that your beauty may be seen in us. Amen.